Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. Sustainable often pops up in marketing to describe how products are made or packaged, and while consumers increasingly buy these products at a premium, some in the natural products industry fears the concept is becoming greenwashed, while others say the term, even in its purest form, doesn't go far enough. As a result, more food and beverage stakeholders are turning to the idea of regenerative production as a way to do more than just sustain resources, but to actually improve them. But to ensure this shift is more than just a semantic one and to protect the concept of regenerative from becoming diluted like natural or sustainable, industry leaders are racing to develop and launch certifications that will protect the basic tenets of the term so that it can remain effective for the long haul. One stakeholder that's stepping up to the plate is the Rodale Institute, which along with NSF International and several leading brands, is developing a regenerative organic certification that it hopes to unveil in its final form next month at Natural Products Expo West. To learn more about how regenerative farming goes beyond basic or even sustainable farming, I caught up with Jeff Moyer, who's the executive director of the Rodale Institute. He also explained that the three pillars of the organization's upcoming regenerative organic certification. I also chatted with Taylor Collins, who's the co-founder of Epic, who explained how regenerative farming is a cornerstone of his meat snack company and the different steps he is taking to support regenerative production including piloting the Savory Institute's new land-to-market certification for holistic management. So on the surface, buying sustainably sourced or produced products sounds like a responsible move for consumers who increasingly are preoccupied with environmental and social impact of their purchasing decisions. But as Moyer points out, the power of the term sustainable depends largely on the quality of the system it supports and how marketers are using the term. And, you know, the word sustainable or sustainability may sound really good if you've got a great system. But if, you're, if, you're, if you were in Central Africa and parts of your population were starving, that's not a system you wanted to sustain. You wanted to improve your system. So sustainability really, uh, just by its definition, sort of focuses on uh, holding your own or, or keep doing what you're doing. And he didn't feel like that was a good word. So he began using the word regenerative uh, as a way to describe an agricultural production system uh, way back in the early 1980s. It wasn't well received in this country, as most people were focusing on the word sustainable and sustainability. Um, What's happened today is the word sustainable has garnered so much baggage that it's become almost meaningless, in, in, uh, particularly in advertising or in marketing. And so people have been looking for another word to use to replace it. And now they've been sort of gravitating to a word that Rodale's been using all along uh, for the last 30 years at least, and that's the word regenerative uh, as it pertains to agriculture. The word regenerative really has a connotation of continuous improvement, and it has a connotation of improving the resources that you're using in a production system every day that you use them. And 
and Bob Rodale would say that you can do that <clears throat> if you focus your attention on the biology of the system, not simply the chemistry of the system. And then you can begin to uh, improve it. And he would use his own or our own human bodies as the perfect example. He'd say, and I believe rightly so, that uh, he was an avid bike rider. Uh, he was in the 1968 Olympics, fell in love with bicycles, uh, built a velodrome here in, in uh, Pennsylvania for the Olympic team to train at. And he would say, whenever I ride my bicycle, the only thing that wears out is the bicycle. I actually, my health improves. So the biology of the system, of the human system, says if you eat right and exercise, you actually get more work out of your body and it improves while you use it. And he would say, well, can't we do the same thing with the soil? And of course we can. If we exercise and make the soil work, we get the productivity we want and the soil improves as we use it versus an industrial model where it's uh, inputs in, outputs out, and in the, in the process the factory wears out, which in our case is the soil, and that is not either sustainable or regenerative. And uh, we didn't want to just sustain a state of soil that is in disrepair in terms of its health. Uh, we want to regenerate that soil. And so we've been focused on the, word, the words regenerative and organic for a very long time here at Rodale Institute. And what we've done over the last few years now is, is partnered those words together. And we tend to talk about regenerative organic, not just organic, not just regenerative, but regenerative organic. To clear up confusion about what regenerative organic agriculture means and to protect it from greenwashing, the Rodale Institute is creating a program by which companies can become regenerative organic certified. Moyer explained that the certification is not an attempt to reinvent the wheel or redefine organic. Rather, he says the new certification will build on USDA's organic, and as such, any product that wants to be regenerative organic certified must also be USDA organic certified. However, in some aspects, the certification does overlap with USDA's organic certification. Because of all the, uh, the language and the, uh, uh, the embattled and embroiled conversations going on around the word regenerative, uh, about, a, about two years ago, a year and a half ago, something like that, the Rodale Institute really felt that we needed to uh, put a stake in the ground and claims what we mean by regenerative, and this is how we see it playing and fitting into the, the existing organic community, because without that, uh, people were left wondering. And so we began talking about how we could set a, a high bar standard that, one, um, embodied this concept of continuous improvement, and then also one that looked at some of the gaps that exist in the current organic certification standard and see if we couldn't work to uh, uh, develop some language around that to fill in those gaps and really uh, begin to live up to consumer expectations for what organic is, uh, should be, uh, or could be in the eyes of consumers. An example of that might be uh, dealing with the issues of um, social fairness or farm worker standards. Uh, most people who are buying um, organic products, particularly in the uh, textile industry, make some bold assumptions about how that product is 
grown and how it's being uh, being produced. Uh, and if somebody's buying a an expensive certified organic cotton shirt, their assumption is is that that cotton was not harvested by ten-year-old uh, girls who are forbidden to go to school in some other country. Uh, they're going, well, that's not what I thought I was buying. So we want to make sure, and yet that might uh, clearly meet the organic certification standard because when it comes to uh, social fairness, the uh, National Organic Program uh, standard uh, by default, uh, and maybe by design, is clearly moot on that subject. As Moyer noted, the new certification takes into account social fairness, including living wages, no child labor, no forced labor, maximum working wages, fair pricing, and long-term commitments. The certification is also based on two other pillars, soil health and animal welfare. While Rodale is still working on a few kinks in the certification, Moyers of the Institute soft-launched the certification at Natural Products Expo East last September and received a lot of positive feedback from industry stakeholders. The final uh, standard, as we, uh, as we hope it stands, at the Natural Foods Expo West Conference in uh, Anaheim, California, later in March. Uh, our goals are ambitious. We would and do conceive that we could have product theoretically, out in the marketplace as early as the end of 2018 or early 2019. Rodale is not the only organization working on a certification for regenerative farming. The Savory Institute is also creating a land-to-market program that it says will enable consumers to identify food and fashion items derived from livestock that's been managed through practices verified to enhance water, soil, and climate. The soft launch for this certification is slated for later this summer, but it's already caught the attention of early adopters, including Epic. Colin explains why he is drawn to the Savory Institute's work. The Savory Institute is based out of Boulder, Colorado, and um, they are more livestock-based regenerative. So obviously we do way more animal protein, and they've been doing regenerative grazing, um, holistic managed practices advocating for soil uh, restoration, carbon sequestration for a very, very long time. And um, so they're the only company out in the market right now that's um, doing the outcome-based measurements. And so they're not only focusing on soil organic matter, but they're looking at 16 different uh, ecological variables that um, are forward tracking to positive change. So it's, it's very holistic in nature. And um, we think it's, it's the robust uh, right one for us to pilot. And it has a lot of crossovers with the other ones, too. Um, but we, we like the outcome-based verification better than uh, the practice-based uh, models, which some of the other um, verification uh, labels are trying to promote. Collins also explains why he's drawn to regenerative practices more broadly and why he made them a cornerstone of EPIC. Um, regenerative agriculture is important to our brand. It's one of the pillars on which our company was started. And so those pillars were um, allowing animals to express their natural behaviors, you know, putting them in environments they were biologically intended to live in, um, 
and we believe that animals in that situation, when they were raised that way, would produce healthier food for the end consumer. And so we're kind of creating this idea and this concept of what our brain could do and the impact it could drive in the world. And we recognize that there could be no such thing as healthy food, healthy animal protein, without animals that were on grass in pasture and expressing their biological tendencies. But we realized there was something much bigger and more important, and that was if the soil and the grass wasn't nutrient-rich, then this whole system didn't work. Humans couldn't get high-quality, nutrient-dense food at the end of the day, and the animals would never optimize their own health and wellness. And so it really had us looking back at the soil, back at the grass, um, and recognizing that most of the grasslands on the planet are degenerated, where from hundreds of years of conventional farming uh, practices, we've lost a lot of the nutrient availability and the biological organic matter in the soil that creates nutrient-rich foods. And so um, that was the catalyst for us, really kind of put everything into perspective. And if we wanted to create animal-based superfoods for the end consumer, we really had to focus on the land and rebuilding that soil. And that's how regenerative agriculture popped up into um, our framework here as a brand. Given the fundamental connection of regenerative farming to Epic's identity, the brand is taking steps beyond certification to promote the practices and improve the environmental impact of the products that it makes. Last year, um, we we've per- last year we purchased 500,000 pounds of regenerative, um, regeneratively managed uh, animal protein. So that's ruminants such as bison, beef, sheep. And um, so we, we actually source, uh, we have a supplier scorecard where we essentially rank um, how, which kind of production practices our biggest partners are um, using on the ground at their farms. And the more points that they get towards a regenerative system, the higher we rank them in our priority to purchase meat from them. So we have bigger commitments. We reward our partners that are doing the right thing financially and then we also help incentivize it's not it's not intended to punish people who aren't doing things regeneratively or um, who are not on the journey there but if they can show improvement year over year then we're much more likely to do business with them so it's almost an incentive to get people to convert their practices and change Um, so that was a really big accomplishment and then one of the other things we're really proud of is we actually invested um, a couple million dollars through General Mills into a uh, family farm in Wisconsin that's doing uh, pasture-raised, holistically managed. So they're actually regenerating their soil through the use of bison. And we purchased, as a brand, over 700 animals. And so this is unheard of, but I mean, like, we essentially bought the animals, leased them out to small family farms that were being managed holistically. The ones that weren't, some of them actually came from Monsanto-managed lands that were doing monocultural row crops. And we actually gave them the tools and guidance to convert their land practices to more regenerative, holistic. And um, so it's pretty neat. We bought baby bison, and they're being raised on our behalf the way we want them to and um, changing how that land is managed. And then at the end of the day, we're going to be using those um, animals in our products. But Epic isn't just stopping there. It's also taking steps to educate consumers and policymakers about regenerative farming by outlining its values in a recently published impact journal and inviting people out to a farm to see the results firsthand. We're really proud of it. It's a collection of stories. Um, so we have 
about six different farmer profiles that we um, that we feature and we tell the stories of those farms and how their journey to regenerative has really changed their economies, changed their land, changed the um, practices in which they you know manage their animals for the better. And um, we just have this, it's just a really robust collection of stories, um, big wins that our brand has accomplished, you know, things that consumers are voting with their dollars and supporting and really just, you know, helping break down these seemingly complicated ideas in ways that consumers can really digest. Um, that, that's been a really powerful tool. And then also recently, I, I kind of mentioned, but so um, when Katie and I sold the Epic brand to General Mills, the first thing we did is we purchased our own ranch, um, and it's about an hour outside of Austin. And it's a regenerative field experiment that we're using on behalf of Epic. So it's a really beautiful place. Um, when we purchased it, it was um, desertified. There was no microbiological uh, activity in the soil. So it couldn't produce any food. It couldn't sustain any animals. And so it was a blank slate for us to really impl um, apply these methods, um, these ideas of epic and regenerative agriculture. And um, we're bringing out consumers, we're bringing out buyers, we're bringing out policymakers, um, really showing them hands-on learning opportunities so they can do things like water infiltration tests, count biodiversity, take soil samples, um, you know, even like showing them the data that we're collecting carbon sequestration over time. And so it's, it's just a really great educational hub that's always open to the consumer. Um, and that's kind of the next iteration, the next biggest thing that we're doing as a brand. Obviously, this space is evolving quickly with lots of different options for interested parties to show their support. And it'll be interesting to see in the next few years how these certifications shake out and reshape consumer purchasing patterns. With that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment. Until then, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive and profitable week.